Hello everyone, my name is Ich, I'm the founder of Beyond the Game TV and I'd like to welcome you to episode 2 of our brand new podcast called Aussie Sports Beyond the Pandemic. It's a weekly series of interviews with leaders from the Australian sport industry who all have different roles for different organizations. From marketing to broadcasting to fan engagement, we touch on all aspects of the industry and how they've been affected by the recent pandemic. But don't worry, we're not here to complain. We're here to assess the situation and discuss ideas on how to move forward. I also want to mention that this show wouldn't be possible without the help of Max Events. Max Events is a full-service events agency for the sports and entertainment industry that works with professional sports clubs and codes, managing the production of their match days and events nationally, covering everything from event operations through to on-field entertainment and creative services. And spoiler alert, I also work for Max Events, so I can tell you firsthand that they're a very cool bunch of people who are very good at what they do. So anyway, let's get into episode 3 with a very special guest, sporting event MC extraordinaire Mr. Jared Walsh. Jared is here to discuss his life as a freelancer in the sports industry and also share his opinion on the future of sports entertainment in Australia. Enjoy! So I'm here with Mr. Australian Sports himself. He's almost as handsome as he's funny. If you've been to more than three sporting events in your life, that means you've been lucky enough to watch him do his thing, interviewing the greatest athletes in the country. Mr. Jared Walsh, how are you doing? My man, thank you very much for having me. I was I was actually reflecting while I'm driving into my place of work at the moment and I'm thinking it's almost 12 months since I've seen you in like probably one of the the greatest experiences of of my life and i'm sure um one of yours as well as you're wearing your air jordan Definitely. hat at the moment and that was um <laughs> the, the boomers and team canada taking on usa basketball it, it seems like a lifetime ago that we were putting on a show in front of over fifty thousand people for two nights in melbourne in, in sydney as well and you were capturing all the behind the scenes like in the lead up to that so it's it's good to see you mate in these um unusual times well, it's good to see you too. It's definitely, uh, yeah, as you said, um, I definitely miss uh, <laughs> events like uh, like those ones and uh, can't wait to get back to, to doing uh, what we used to do. And, um, and speaking of what we used to do, basically, I guess I'd like to start by um, if you can go through sort of a, what was a normal week for you before all this happened? Yeah, so just before we we went into kind of lockdown of of sorts um the last major event i worked at was the um the cricket world cup final the t20 world cup final at the mcg in front of 86,000 people um it was an incredible event and and at that time the the discussion was that tom hanks has coronavirus and we're all probably having a bit of a joke about it and we thought oh, it's not going to affect <laughs> us here in australia he's got it he's fine uh, I came back to, to Adelaide. I live in South Australia, and um, the following weekend, I, I had to go work for Adelaide United in the Hyundai A-League, and that was the last the last match I worked at. That At that weekend, there was a choice whether people could attend events or not. They had a choice in South Australia, and um, following that, everything else went into kind of lockdown. So at that point, um, I was wrapping up an A-League season. 
Um, the the T20 men's and women's tournament had just wrapped up, which I worked at as well in the Big Bash and the NBL had, and I was preparing to work for the AFL in the, the Port Adelaide Football Club doing their, their fan experience and um, match day events and also for the Adelaide Thunderbirds in Suncorp Super Netball. Um, and alongside with that, a few weeks later on in late March, there was supposed to be a Socceroos game, which um, hmm. got shut down um, in, in Western Australia due to coronavirus. So, um, summer's quite a, a busy period for me, but leading into this kind of transition, I was leading into another busy period as well. And it's gone from the anticipation of seasons finishing into seasons starting into absolutely nothing and not knowing what's going on. <laughs> exactly. And also, I think something that people don't necessarily realize is that, you know, in sports, um, people think of the players, obviously, but then the clubs, the employees of the clubs, and and you're sort of in an awkward position as a, a freelancer. You obviously get to work a lot with all different uh, organizations, different sports, and things like that. But when something like that happens, especially at the beginning when it was just you know people thought it was just sport, like okay, no big events and that's it. So there's no talks of you know jobkeeper and all these things. So how does a freelancer like yourself, when everything stops, like how did you sort of deal with that and how scary was it yeah it it was quite concerning because obviously you forecast what's going to happen in the future when it comes to um you you get a, a season fixture it comes out of the afl and say that the netball and you go all right so there's the guaranteed income that i'm going to get as a as a freelancer i've got a, a wife and a young daughter and we've got a mortgage as, as everybody else does but then it's really strange there was a moment where I took a step back and I thought it's not ideal the situation that that I've been put in but ultimately I think I've found through this whole COVID-19 experiences that everybody is affected it's it's the first time the whole world has gone back to zero I'm a I'm a massive LeBron James fan and I was watching a podcast that he was doing with um two former NBA champs in Richard Jefferson and Channing Fry and LeBron, even though he lives in his mansion um, in, in Brentford in Los Angeles or whatever it is, um, he couldn't leave his house. So no matter the, the, the class society that we have, everybody had to go back to zero. And where my heart and my mind was at, my job was affected definitely 100%. But there are so many others within the sporting organization, as you mentioned, that were affected more. If you think about um, events, people who do the events at the venue, um, they they didn't have jobs because they didn't have events anymore. Um, the people who actually worked at the venue, security, the people in the, the kiosks and the canteens, and then that brings me to, to what we do for fan engagement. If there's no live sport, there's no fans, and there's no team to put on that fan engagement so immediately my my mind and my heart went out to to great companies and people like max events who i've done so many events with and going okay how does this affect you guys so as scary as it was it was almost the unknown where for the first time in my life because i'm a control freak i literally <laughs> thought i can't control this um it will get better and sport will come back it's just a matter of when, and that was the concerning thing. We just didn't know when. Yeah, and I'm sort of like you. Like I guess at the beginning, it was a bit in a weird way when it went from just sport to everyone. I wouldn't say it was reassuring because obviously it's it's a scary thing and you you feel bad for everyone. But to know that you're not you know 
it's not just you and every like the more people involved the more more it feels like we're all in this together and we're going to be able to go through it together and in some sort of twisted way it is a little bit reassuring i guess i think so um, and i think it's it's brought out i've noticed a couple of things i think this has brought out the best and worst in people yeah um it's very black and white it's you either it's brought out the best in you or the worst in you and there's been a I feel like there's a. I've had like this this journey of self discovery in a way because every weekend I was working Monday to Friday I was working at, at in on radio. So for me, I didn't stop. This is a forced stop where everybody has had to think. Okay, how are we approaching life? What's important? What do you take for granted when it's taken away from you? And how are you going to adjust and make the most of this kind of downtime whether that is people going small businesses for example a friend of mine who who owns a pizza place and people couldn't go into his restaurant he's gone okay well i'm going to give you take home pizza kits so he'd provide the dough the sauce and some mozzarella you cook it yourself he would never have thought of that if coronavirus didn't have an impact so we've been forced to think differently and hopefully that applies following you know everything going back to whatever normal is but it's um it's definitely brought out people making that phone call to a friend and saying, hey, I'm not calling for any particular reason apart from asking how you're going. Or the other people who just go, it's all about me, panic, 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 panic. It's it's really testing everybody mentally, I think. Yeah, no, that's true. And um, I was going to ask as well because obviously even now there's talk of you know, sports starting – you know, rather sort of soon-ish, um, but still, it's going to be behind closed doors. So for people like you and I, it doesn't really change much. So mm. do you see a place um, for yourself and everyone else in the entertainment side of things, um, basically around sports without a crowd, whether it's through live streams or whatnot? Like, do do you see sort of a, a way for us to be involved and, and, and make a living, really? <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that's similar to the guy who runs the pizza place. It's all about how these these clubs, they still need to engage their fans and their community. And what, what we'll find is it's probably more of an important time to engage their community now more than ever because they don't have a match to attend. That Yes, they can watch it on television if it's broadcasted, but they still need to have a connection. So you see now more than ever like – sporting clubs around the world doing their zoom chats and you're getting an insight into the life of an athlete which is great because we're getting we're getting access to these players to see what they're up to as everybody is now on the same level of the things that we can and can't do so yeah i think once sport returns there will be a place for us to have an involvement um there will be a time where fans go back to the venues and they need to be engaged and excited but it, it's like you, you know, if you, we go back to um, the, the USA basketball where you put together the, all the, the hype and the montages on the, the score cube and the big screen, your challenge was to engage a new audience who didn't know much about basketball whilst also engaging an audience who knew everything about basketball. And you had to cater for everybody and do something that they hadn't seen before. That's what all of these clubs need to do now because they need to go, well, how can we a keep people interested b hopefully commercialize it and keep your sponsors happy because they pay the bills and c make it entertaining and still give your fans a connection to your community and what do you think of all these ideas that've been throwing around have been thrown around so far whether it's the you know the fake 
crowd noises and the CGI fans. Yeah, I think people are just trying stuff and you don't know until you try it. I think I think in today's social media age and I'm I'm on social media um, and I get sucked into the negativity of it at times, which I wish I didn't. But there's just so much of it. Sometimes social media and especially Twitter, it's let's try our best to dislike something, even though we don't know why we really dislike it. And just to joy. Sometimes people get enjoyment out of seeing a video that you make and they write a crap comment about it. And then you ask yeah. why. And like, ah, I don't know. Good point. So, <laughs> yeah, it's about changing your mind and shifting your mind. This is something that's never been done before. We're in a, we're in a situation where nothing like everybody's trying new things mate i've got paint all over my hands today because i've got so much look at this i've got a blister right there from using a screwdriver because i've got so much downtime i'm like let's try something (laughs) i've ever done before so i painted my bloody bathroom and i'm so bad at it but i would never (laughs) have done it if it wasn't for COVID 19 mate we're all trying new stuff i agree like i I'd love to be able to yeah try all these new things and and basically just see what sticks, what what works, what doesn't, and you just sort of go along with it. Because I think at this period of time, people will sort of they'll they'll be okay with a club sort of trying their best and you know yeah. it didn't work. Let's just move on and try something else. The issue with that is that these things, especially when it comes to you know CGI and anything that sort of involves broadcast, is just so expensive that you're not exactly. going to try something or even implement it if you think that you're only going to use it for a couple months or maybe three. And that's the key thing. Like how long, how long is this going to go for? So like how much money are you going to put into something that might just yeah. you know go for a few months? I think some sports are catered to it as well. Like if you say, I uh, watched the, the last couple of NBL finals, the Wildcats and the Sydney Kings, right? So they mm-hmm. played in front of no crowds. However, they still had a music guy there and that kind of created that that buzz of a basketball game. So obviously there's no crowd in there. So you're not going to have the crowd noise. At AFL, it's a bit different. So it's literally you're hearing nothing apart from the ball being kicked in the seagulls and the players yelling at each other. Different sports can can cater for it but you're right it should be let's let's see what happens some stuff is going to work some stuff isn't going to work and then if you think like for for budget reasons if you've got a commentary team and they are commentating from a hub in victoria they're calling a game off the tv in sydney and it saves the the business money to fly them up all the time and you still get the same quality product then it's almost a smart business decision so it's there's going to be a lot of um, learning experiences from it, I think. And do you think, as as someone who's obviously very close to the the, the public during games and also the athletes, who do you think is going to m- miss the other one the most? Are the fans sort of, you know, watching empty stadium games on TV going to miss being there more than the players are going to miss them being there for the the atmosphere that they bring? Like, who's sort of the biggest loser, I guess, of this situation? Yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot of people see sport as their release on the weekend hmm. so they can get together with a, a group of mates and go to go to a venue and watch their favorite team play, um, have a few drinks if they, they need to, win, lose or draw, they can walk away and go on, that's my afternoon out. The fact that they're doing it at home on the television will have some impact, but probably not as much as being at live sport. I mean, you yourself can, you can probably list off your top three live sporting events you've been to but probably not list off your your top three live television sporting events you've watched you know what i mean like that that buzz that you get um the 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 players yeah they get a buzz off it i think some players love 
playing in front of a crowd. Like that's where that's what lifts them. I think yeah. some other players probably love the fact that they're not playing in front of a crowd. Me, for example, like I'm not an athlete at all, but I would prefer to play in front of no people. I perform better when I was training for sport than playing because there was no pressure. It's so funny because I was, was going to bring that up as well. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. Like I'd rather kick kick for a goal after the siren or take a free throw to take us into overtime in front of no fans so I could just be there with myself than in front of heaps of people heckling yeah. me. It's No, exactly, because I was thinking if you're doing like set shots and free kicks and free throws, one could argue that, you know, you're going to get a much better game, like much better quality game um, yeah. in a way because there's not that added pressure and, and players will probably make more shots. Yeah, it's going to be umpire advantage or or you know where, wherever you are then uh, umpires aren't influenced by the crowd in any way whatsoever so it's all it's all going to be a, a different watching experience yeah and um what do you think's going to be like a permanent sort of impact of covid-19 you know with the future of uh, specifically australian sports or sports in general really uh i think first of all it's the cost that goes into things, especially when we're rebuilding with so yeah. many businesses, you know, financially being hit. Um, however, you hope that that doesn't take away from the product because the product was so good. You, you know, that, you know, I had this, um, this, uh, guy from, um, an advertising agency in Ireland speak to me a couple of years ago. And he said, the big, the biggest thing that you can sell to someone isn't something physical. It's anticipation. So if if I said to you, mate, on Friday, AFL is back and crowds are allowed back at the MCG, in your mind, you get excited. You build up the anticipation. You start looking in your calendar. You start counting down. It's the same as if you see an alcohol commercial on a Wednesday, you're like, geez, I can't wait till Friday so I can start having a drink if you don't drink during the week. No. So I think that that product that people put on people are going to go to and they're going to consume hopefully it just doesn't um be too much affected by the cost and the, the budgets that people have because sport was in a really good place where i think hmm. fan engagement in the industry that i work in the competition off the field to have the best fan engagement in the country was as fierce as it was on the field where these players were competing. You wanted to have the best social media team, yeah. the best content, the best fan engagement, the new innovations that all the leagues spoke about. So I think um, there'll be certain clubs and leagues that will be challenged in that regard. I think the way that the games are played probably won't change as much. I think there'll be a little bit of trepidation from some fans about actually going back to the venues to watch the match unless there's a vaccine for COVID soon. Like, yeah, I think that, that was that my, sort time. of my next question. Do you think, like, you know, if they say tomorrow, you know, get, all gates are open, everyone can go, do you think it's still going to be sort of a gradual sort of thing where we go back to the numbers we had before or everybody's going to be just so excited that, you know? Yeah, it's, it's funny because in, in South Australia, we've had one case in about three or four weeks. And like last Friday, they announced some of the restrictions will be eased that weekend. It was like coronavirus never existed, mate. There were people everywhere. So I think people getting their heads around it a little bit will take a bit of time. I think um, they'll stagger crowds back in where they can, but as soon as everything's allowed to go back to normal, then they'll just let it happen straight away because the, the last thing we want is for someone to do the wrong thing and us have to go back to where we were two months ago and start over. Cause 
you know, so many businesses are closing down for good now. There's going to be local sporting clubs that are closing down for good, and and other places just don't want to don't want to get to that point. Um, I guess I'll I'll let you go on this. Um, can you think of one positive sort of that will come out of all this? Yep. Yeah, I can. And I. This is going to sound strange, but f for me, I have loved not working. Um. I've well, you're loved, not really not working, looking at your hands and stuff. Well, yeah, but I've, <laughs> mate, I've loved everything being stripped back. Like, I work every weekend and work in so many sports, and it's my dream job, right? I absolutely love it. I, I, I love it. Like, I, I wish, I wish I never got old and was never bald, so someone younger with more hair would take over from me. The, the buzz that I get from speaking to a crowd and then responding the the people that i meet at you know people like max events and and teg like the friends that i make the hard work that i see that goes into a product on the m product of all the hard work that goes in behind the scenes right i'm the most replaceable there is when it comes to <laughs> well, um event <laughs> stuff but oh, no, honestly people see it that way <laughs> well the the hard work's done before me um yeah. And I am so grateful for that. The fact that I've stopped has allowed me to spend more time with my family, which I don't do on a weekend. And I've got a young three and a half year old daughter and a wife that, you know what, mate, like if coronavirus didn't happen, if I wasn't forced to stop, then I don't know what would have happened with my marriage with um, you know, the relationship that I have with my daughter. My wife said to me, I've noticed a change in, um, rain the, the name of my daughter um, because I'm so present with her it's not mm. come home give her a hug and, and go to work so my outlook on life over the past six to eight weeks has really changed I've had to have a lot of um, like a good look at myself to go internally I love what I do as long as it's not jeopardizing my family time yeah. and that's the one thing I think you see that that when everything's taken away from you, the one constant you have in your life is your family and your close friends. And the work, what we do in our job, we're lucky, you and me, and what we do, we love it. It's a blessing that you can actually do something that you love for a living. Um, and I just hope that, that so many people who have experienced this time know that There's always going to be someone in a better situation than you. There's always going to be someone in a worse situation than you. But the most important thing is to have empathy and to make that call and to see if your colleagues, your friends, your peers are doing okay and never take anything for granted because we took sport for granted. We thought it was a guarantee that there was going to be a match of footy on the weekend. There was going to be a basketball game. We could flick on ESPN and the NBA will, would be on. One day in... Utah, when the Jazz were playing, Rudy Gobert gets coronavirus and they shut down the league just like that. Hmm. Nobody expected it. I know this is a very long-winded answer, but what I'm saying is... It's a good answer. I, I realize what I take for granted. I realize that the low... You know how sometimes we probably think, oh, I wish I had a normal job like work at a cafe. <laughs> you can't, mate. You can't uh, do it. Cafe workers couldn't do it. Uh, so these people that give you a, a free coffee one day or they fill up your wine glass yeah. a little bit extra or they give you a dessert on your anniversary. These people need us now 
and it's time for us to start working together. It's going to go back to normal where people stop giving a shit about one another because that's just what happens in life. It's like when someone passes away and you reflect on your life and then you go into the hustle and bustle. It's been an eye-opening experience for me. I know that whether I'm speaking to a crowd of two people or a a crowd of 20,000 people, I'm not going to take that for granted because you just never know when it's going to happen again. So hopefully people can come out of this and go, this is what I've learned about myself and life. Um, Because I think everybody has. You just kind of need to acknowledge it, you know? Yeah. No, that's true. It's beautiful, actually. I don't want to add anything else because, yeah, I'll just finish on this. So um, thanks. uh, Thanks again for... Wait, I've got a question for you. I've got a question for you. You're wearing a Michael Jordan hat. So you've obviously watched all of The Last Dance. Yes, I did. All right. Give me your thoughts because I've read some conspiracy theories. I read Horace Grant came out today and smashed Michael Jordan. Okay. Um, and the conspiracy theories are the flu game he had a hangover because how can five people rock up to his hotel room knowing that it was Michael Jordan's hotel room? <laughs> I wonder what he ordered on his pizza. I'm starting to buy into the conspiracy that he took a forced leave of absence from the NBA when he went to baseball. <laughs> but what I did know, there's a, the last the last dance, the last couple of episodes on Monday night, it's the first time I've ever conceded that Jordan's greatness has surpassed or won't be beaten. And I'm a LeBron guy. Yeah. I'm obsessed with LeBron and I watched it and I'm going, wow, what about you? Yeah. Well, I think – well. First of all, with that last one, I think the major difference, like people focus on the wrong things. I think like, you know, they're trying to compare the six rings and and this and that. I think at the end of the day, it's just different era in the sense that Jordan, it's such a big culture shift that he created. He he just sort of, he represents much more than his stats. Like his stats are obviously the foundation, but he represents so much more than that. Then it's hard for anyone to, to sort of go and say, oh, yeah, I'm just as good or I'm better. Because LeBron, obviously, different era, social media, all these things. And you've got other players around that are doing, that have a big brand as well. And and even like a guy like Steph Curry is just getting so, um, it's going under the radar when it comes to, um, you know, the impact that he has on the generation. Yeah. Because just because yeah. of the way, you know, the shooting that you see around, not just in the NBA, but just in general, our kids are just all shooting threes now. Yeah. Like when LeBron became LeBron, a 12-year-old is not thinking, I'm going to be just like LeBron because he knows he doesn't have the body. He, he hopes he's as good, but he knows yeah. he doesn't have the body to be LeBron James. But, but when he looks at Steph Curry, he's, he goes, what? this guy looks just like me. Like I can be like him. So there was so yeah. many kids just trying to be like him. So anyway, I'm sort of going, yeah. No, tangent, fine, but, um, but yeah, I think it's more of a culture thing, a culture thing where like Jordan just cannot sort of be rich for all the changes that sort of came when he was, when he, when he was playing as far as the, yeah, you're right. and you know, theories, like there's, there's people who come and say, okay, so Jordan always took the last shot. Jordan did this, Jordan did this. However, if it wasn't for Steve Kerr, they yeah. wouldn't have won 97. Just as saying, if it wasn't for Ray Allen, then the Heat wouldn't yeah. have beaten the Spurs. If it wasn't for Kyrie Irving hitting that three, well, what about if it wasn't for LeBron's block? Like, yeah. you can always pick and pull apart these arguments to, oh, yeah. to kind of justify their greatness. However, you're right. It was a huge cultural shift 
where basketball became big on the international stage and that's where it really blew up due to his his greatness because there were also remember as Horace Grant said there were things that weren't shown like the the Bulls before that that run that Jordan was playing in were knocked out of the playoffs so didn't make the playoffs he needed yeah. that good team around him or they they were trashed like that's why they got ended up getting Rodman in um because Horace Grant left yeah oh yeah and I think like it's you know, there's obviously a lot of things like even you know through all the series they say oh he was he was a bully he was mean but really when you look at the footage he doesn't look that mean so yeah. really for all these men to say like he was bullying me like he must have been much going much harder than what we actually saw in this sort of never yeah. seen before footage but at the end of the day it doesn't you know there's a lot of guys like him like there's a lot of there's a lot of competitors and there's a reason why there's no cameras behind closed doors to a certain extent because <laughs> it is what it is like the com- people are competitors like he is their competitor in every aspect of their lives and they compete just as much with their teammates as they do with people outside of the club and it's just it's just how it is i was actually surprised more by the parts where he's friendly with everyone when he goes you know play golf with uh you know i can't yeah, remember yeah. the name of the guy but like um uh you know, a, a guy that he was playing against that night or those scrimmages while yeah. he was shooting Space Jam, all that sort of stuff. I was like, I thought old guys like hated the fact that now, you know, the players are all hanging out together and turns out they yeah. were basically doing the same thing. Well, the, the sportsmanship, like yeah. even, you know, he'd, he'd shake hands with Larry Bird. Carl Malone went onto the bus and said, yeah, well yeah, done. Yeah, like, yeah. There was a fair bit of that, which I think also like the, the right now, the world we live in, everybody's life is out in the open because this wasn't, it became even more exciting to watch because there was no social media back then. We didn't know anything. It only took until the last episode that we saw his two sons and his daughter. Yeah, like, we didn't see him at all. So yeah. it's actually like there is that, that kind of allure to how secret it was. And then you see the guys retelling the story in that footage, which was, yeah, it was, it was amazing, man. Yeah, no, I really liked it. Like, obviously, you know, if you follow the Bulls, depending on how old you are, a lot of this stuff, you know, you've seen before. But there was always at least like a little stretch in there that you've never yeah. seen or that was like, oh, this is cool. Or just like stupid things, like just him hanging out with the security guards and things like that, playing like, yeah, yeah, you know, little yeah. betting games and stuff. And it's just like, it's just a side of him that you've never really seen before. Because like you said, like, by, especially back then before social media, you, you're so much in charge of what you let out and what you don't. And yeah. the, the proof is the fact that it took 20 years for this thing to actually get out. So it's... No, I, I thought I'd have really a cigar fun. on Friday night just to feel like Michael Jordan, and I was sick for two days. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the pizza so. thing was was weird because, you know, I always sort of, you know, thought of it as the, the flu game, but then yeah. I didn't know about the, the, the food poisoning thing, which, I don't know, like you said, sounds a bit bit weird like if you because it sounds to me like something that if five guys out of a random utah uh, yeah, yeah. pizza place would have done it would have come out somehow like exactly. it, you know, <laughs> sounds a bit uh yeah but uh, who knows yeah that's it no i appreciate you having me on man and it's um it's great to see you again and um we will see each other very soon yeah well i was gonna say yeah hopefully we get to uh, do another one uh, sooner rather than later we will <laughs> So that's it for this episode of Aussie Sports Beyond the Pandemic. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Jared Walsh. If you did, make sure you tune in again next week because this time my guest will be Fox Footy producer Amy Arthur. 
Otherwise, thanks again to Jared. Thanks also to Max Events for helping me putting this show together. My name is E, and I hope I earned the privilege of your time.